And the Oscar goes to Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. And the Oscar goes to Lupita Nyong'o. And the Oscar goes to Halle Berry in Monsters Bay. And the Oscar goes to Hilary Swank in Boys Don't Cry. And the winner is Marvelous Meryl Streep. And the Oscar goes to Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. And the Oscar goes to Olivia Colman. Welcome to this week's episode of Academy Queens. I'm Joey Gentili. And I'm Brandon Stanwyck. And we are your LGBT look into the Academy Awards per category, per decade, starting with season one, Ladies of the 70s. Brandon, what's up, buddy? Oh, not too much. Still making Good. Still making my way through the, the film independent slash Oscar nominated films. Mm, what'd you see this week? Um, Can You Ever Forgive Me? <gasps> Loved that movie. I was a big fan of that movie. Love Melissa McCarthy. Love Richard E. Grant. Grant's great. Oh my gosh. Melissa McCarthy is so good in this movie. I really hate that she's not getting anything from this movie. Yeah. She's great in it. She's getting she's getting overshadowed by the award season. Yeah, and the fact, here's the thing. No matter who wins on Oscar night, mm-hmm. Toni Collette is the best actress of last year with Hereditary. I think all the critics, all the film fans agree. Agree. Yeah. It's the Academy that decided to not award a horror yeah. film. So no matter who wins at the Oscars, we all know it's Toni Collette. With that said though, the fact that Melissa McCarthy isn't getting anything mm-hmm. for Lee Israel is insane. She's so good in this movie. Mm-hmm. At this point, I'm like team Olivia Coleman, team Melissa McCarthy, and I'm going to be team fucking mad on Oscar night. <laughs> I'm just saying. What did you... Oh, and then Richard E. Grant. Dude, Richard E. Grant was oh, the he's Spice delight- Girls manager. He's delightful. He's so good. I did not know going into... Can you forgive me that this was a gay film? Right. I, I love, I, I love I that aspect. I didn't know anything about Lee Israel before I watched this movie. No. It wasn't until like halfway through, I was like, oh, I kind of remember hearing about this. And I found out that Julianne Moore was supposed to play that role. I read that too. I would have not been into that because Melissa's so good. Yeah. But let's save that because okay. we are eventually going to get to 2018. Many years down the road. Many years. It's a, it's a coming though. I yes. Mean, one, two, it's going to be season five? five. Five. Yes. Season five. Well, we got to get to the first season first. Right. So... 1976, we've reached the halfway mark. Yeah. We're We're almost done with the 70s. Mm -hmm. So. So the nominees were... Jane Alexander and All the President's Men. (laughs) Jodie Foster and Taxi Driver. (laughs) Lee Grant and Voyage of the Damned. (laughs) Piper Laurie and Carrie. And Beatrice, Straight in Network. Okay, so let's start off with our winner of the night, Beatrice Straight from Network. Mm -hmm. So this is her first and only win and nomination, and she didn't really have any precursors going into it. In Network, Beatrice Straight plays Louise. She's the wife of Max, played by William Holden. And when uh, he starts having an affair with uh, the Faye Dunaway character, Diane Christensen, she basically... Kicks him out of the house. Mm-hmm. And that's her whole role in the movie. That's literally it. <laughs> You're not wrong. Like not being glib. That's her role. Oh, what are the day glib? Good for mm-hmm. you. You want to start this one or you want me to? Um, so I this is this is a notorious win. 
because she's in two scenes. She is in that she has that major scene where she kicks him out, and she is in like a, a smaller scene earlier, but she doesn't really do much. She like, has a smaller scene than her actual. She, role? There, there is a scene where she she like wakes up yeah. William Holden and sends him off to work, and that's that's the scene. Mm-hmm. And then there's her Oscar scene later on, yep. which she's wonderful in. Mm-hmm. It's a great scene. It's a scene stealing scene, but how many I, times can you say scene? Well, and scene. If there's if there's ever any actress to talk about a scene, it's Beatrice Strait. No, legit. Yeah. Well, it's what she's known for. Hermione, uh, Hermione Bradley, okay. in a room to the top. Oh. Right. Okay. So Beatrice Strait is infamous for the shortest Oscar-winning role of all time. Hermione Bradley in 1959 was nominated for two minutes and 13 seconds mm. for a room to the top. And Best Supporting Actress. I haven't seen it. She's literally a background actor. Oh, okay. It's kind of intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, her I, her most big her biggest moment is a laugh in the background. So it wait until it, if we get to the fifties, which I'm sure we very might will. Maybe we can do some bonus episodes. Of course. Oh yeah, we've got a while ago. But so Beatrice Strait is really good here. Yeah, it's she's a great. Good for what it, she's it's got. a. It's a great moment. I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of words that aren't seen. But Network Two gave us two supporting actor nominations, Beatrice and Ned Beatty. Right. Which were literally a singular scene. Yeah, Ned's not in it very much, which surprises me. He I don't want to talk about him yet, but right. he said never turned on work because I worked for a day on network and got an Oscar nomination. Uh-huh. So these two as a collective is the truth to there is no role too small mm-hmm. for an actor. Look yeah. what you can do with it. If she, the writing's there, if the director's Adi there. Adi Chayefsky. It's yeah. Adi Chayefsky, mm-hmm. one of the, if not the greatest writer of all time. Yep. Um, I like it. I think she does, she shows up, does what she needs to do, and leaves. Mm-hmm. She's good. I get the win. Even with the competition, yeah, I'm be so bold. But okay. there is, there is so much more that I would want from her if she were to, I don't know, get released now in network. Mm. I don't think it, I would be as satisfied. Okay, what's interesting is some a lot of times with these supporting nominees, we always say we want more from them. Mm-hmm. For some reason, this is a role where I'm okay with it. Really, one scene. I don't know if I need more. I don't know if I need to know who. Who Louise is. Okay. I wouldn't be mad if it existed. So if... Like, I agree with you here on yeah. that, but if this film were to be remade today, would you still feel the same about Louise? Because that's what I am... What oh, I'm saying okay. With, like, I want more from Louise if this were to be remade today and Network were to come out now. Maybe with the, with the change in the culture and all that, possibly. But if you think about Network, it's the most relevant movie of today. It kind of predicted today. It predicted today. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. So I'm mean, I'm into it. I like it here. Yeah, I I'm not mad at all about Beatrice's uh, nomination here. We'll of course get to rankings later, but I'm here for it. Yeah. Go Beatrice. Yeah, you go. You got your Oscar for your what, six minutes of screen time. And then she went out to fight the poltergeist. Yeah. She did. Wow. She did. Rest in peace, girl. Mm-hmm. So next we have Jane Alexander uh-huh. for All the President's Men. This is her second of four nominations. She was previously nominated for The Great White Hope in 1970, and going into this night, she also didn't really have any precursors. In All the President's Men, Jane Alexander plays a bookkeeper named Judy Miller, 
who acts as an informant for the Woodward and Bernstein characters played by Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman. Where did you find her name? I think it was on Wikipedia. Because <laughs> on IMDb, she just was a bookkeeper. bookkeeper. I, think, I think it was on Wikipedia. Okay. Or maybe that's the char- maybe that's the real life name of the informant. Maybe the movie was different. Because yeah, I think she's just credited as bookkeeper. On IMDb, she's just bookkeeper. But on Wikipedia, I think it was they gave the real name. Maybe the movie couldn't say the real name because but this was a very later, this was a very yeah. timely movie, and maybe that was not a wise thing for her safety. Yeah. But um. But yeah. This is a really weird nomination, and it's it, it's seventy six was weird again with Ned Beatty with Beatrice Strait, with having these cameo-style performances being nominated. You got three in one year. Mm -hmm. I like Jane Alexander. I don't know if I understand this nomination, though. Her scenes are my favorite scenes in the movie. Because all the presents but it's very hard to get through. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I know this is considered one of the greatest films of all time, best films of the 70s. I find it to be a bit of a chore. I don't like it. I'm not... I like the post. It's not my thing. If you're going to tackle the subject, mm-hmm. I liked The Post, which okay. is kind of like in the film Twitter world because yeah. people hated The Post and they loved this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm the opposite. I loved The Post. Yeah. The Post kept me intrigued. This did not. Yeah, this movie kind of, All the President's Man kind of drags for me. Yeah. And the Jane Alexander scenes were the most intriguing for and me. She's like the biggest female role in the movie. And kind of. just the smallest role of the movie. I mean, it's very much a, it's a boys show. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, it was the 1970s journalism in the 70s there's like the secretaries in the journalism office or whatever you call that like the Mm -hmm. bullpen is that that the word yeah but yeah they don't really get all that much to do the ladies no not in this story no and and diane jesus um jane has nothing to do here it's funny how she doesn't have that much to do yet her scenes are the most interesting to me is it though because we needed that female touch and we at that point in this movie, we just yearned for it, so we'll take what we get? Or is it honestly because it's the most interesting? Maybe it, her scenes also kind of take you somewhere else, because so much of this movie takes place in the Washington Post office and in the world of journalism. But when you go to Jane Alexander, they're in her home, so there's more of a down-to-earth feel to her scenes. Okay. Maybe it feels more relatable, her scenes okay. and her character. But yeah, she doesn't, she unfortunately doesn't get all that much to do. So I'm a little bit surprised by the nomination. Yeah. But I'm not mad about it. No, I mean, unfortunately, Jean is kind of like Marsha Mason. She's over four. Yeah, today. And unless they do something, she's going to say that. And it's unfortunate because she's a really good actress. She's a, she's, she was a judge on The Good Wife. Yeah. And this is her follow up. It took seven years to follow up, six, seven years to follow up. The Great Way to Hope. Yeah. So this is her, yeah, her second nomination of the 70s. Mm-hmm. Her second of three. Yeah. She doesn't get her fourth one until the 80s. Right. Yeah, so, you yeah. know. Yeah, that's, uh, that's Jane Alexander. <laughs> I like how the first two are such short performances that we're just like, yeah, okay, yeah, we agree, all right, cool. Yeah. So uh, our third one is Jodie Foster in Taxi Driver. This is her first of four nominations. So she gets two BAFTAs this year, one for supporting and one for newcomer. She also wins the National Society of Film Critics Award, and she's nominated for the New York Film Critics Circle. In Taxi Driver, Jodie Foster plays Iris, an underage prostitute. She enters Travis Bickle's cab, that's Robert De Niro, in order to escape from her pimp, but her pimp drags her back out of the car and onto the streets, and Travis Bickle becomes a bit obsessed with her and eventually saves her in a very, very bloody way. 
So the first thing that I, I think of now in 2019 when I hear Jodie Foster is all I think about is Katya and Trixie Mattel on their uh, Contact. show. Contact. Contact, and I'm not Jodie Foster this behavior. Like, yeah. Jodie Foster is a great actress, but she is now a gay meme, and it's a gay meme icon, and I am here for it. A contact is always just brought up, and if you know what we're talking about, you know that it's fucking comedy gold. Mm -hmm. Now, going towards this, here's another child of the 70s that is yeah. nominated. This is following Tatum O'Neill, and this is following Linda Blair, mm -hmm. and this is pre-Quinn Cummings and pre-Justice Henry. Yeah. Um, was, was Leslie Brown a minor? I think Leslie point? Brown was like 18. So she, was so like she just, just okay. made it, yeah. Um, it, it could be argued, but I mean, no, legal no. status, yeah, you're no. an adult. Um, I don't love this. Okay. It's not something that, uh, when I think of child actors, I don't think of Jodie Foster in ta Taxi Driver. Okay. Um, I don't remember a whole lot of it. She, and I just, I revisited it again. I revisited all these for this stuff, but... I think of like buttered toast because of that diner scene oh, with the glasses. With the glasses, I nothing stands out about this for me. There isn't. I don't know. She won the BAFTA for this. Two of them. Two of them. Newcomer and supporting. Yeah, I don't know if I get the hype over this one, but if anything, this nomination for her second one in the eighties, which we'll get to for the mm -hmm. accused, right kind of solidified her as a force to be reckoned with. Mm -hmm. Not now, but in the future. Yeah. Because this showed that her first nomination wasn't a fluke. Right. So, I don't love it now. I don't love it when I first watched it, but I will love it when we get to the 80s and I will explain that. Okay. But, I, 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 I'm in the middle of the road here. Yeah, I also don't love this performance my heart does go out to her at a couple points. Like, there's that really weird scene where, like, she's, like, slow dancing with um, Harvey Keitel's character, who, who plays her pimp, mm -hmm. and he, like, forces her into this weird, very disturbing slow dance. And I just, like, I wanted to rescue her myself. Give her that hug. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't... I'm not crazy about this performance, but I think it was... I think it was a great first nomination for her, especially being, what, she was, like, 14? Yeah. So, I mean, not scoffing at the performance, but I think maybe if, if this movie had come out later or had a different director, I wonder if there would be more depth to her character. Because the movie really focuses on Travis. Well, not and only, it's his show. Not only that, but when I think the female role of Taxi Driver, I think of Sybil Shepherd. Right. I don't think of Jodie Foster. I'm always literally, every time, every time, and I'm not exaggerating this, every time someone brings up that Jodie Foster's in Taxi Driver, it's like I remember it all over again. Mm -hmm. I never remember that she's in this movie. See, I forgot Sybil Shepard was in it, so I went to revisit this last really? time. Yeah. Yeah. I just... It's okay. Yeah. It's not great. It's not good. Or, let me rephrase that. It's not great. It's not bad. Right. I, I think it's just good. It's good. Yeah. But is good enough for me doesn't win an Oscar. You mm -hmm. have to be great. Mm -hmm. So if that shows where she's in the lineup anywhere, there it is. Okay. This has been a very interesting lineup so far. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, next we have Lee Grant in Voyage of the Damned. <laughs> this is her fourth of uh. four nominations. Previously nominated for Detective Story in 1951, then The Landlord in 1970, and Shampoo in 1975, which she won for. Going into this, she only had a Golden Globe nomination. 
And in Voyage of the Damned, Lee Grant plays Lily Rosen, one of the over 900 Jews who have set sail on an ocean liner to Cuba from Germany, where Nazism is on the rise. When the vessel arrives in Cuba, the passengers learn that their visas are invalid, so they set sail again, searching for a safe haven, and um, eventually the boat starts heading back toward Europe, and Lily's husband does not handle it very well. And that plays into her story. So, thoughts on Lee Grant and Voyage of the Fuck Damned. this movie. Okay. Fuck this movie. I'm, like, listening to you... <laughs> listening to you explain this movie and it's like PTSD for me because this movie is a fucking chore to get through. It's like, it's long. It's, I'm not insensitive to the topic. Let me just... And this really happened too. This really happened. Let me just put that out there because the last thing I need is someone to at me on Twitter to be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I don't, I'm not insensitive at all to the topic. Right. I'm fucking gay. I'm a minority. I know what it's like to be persecuted and be hated on for someone who you are. I'm not saying that. Mm -hmm. Trust me. The movie is so mundane as a movie. It drags. It drags. Yeah. It is so hard to get through. Like we said, All the President's Men is a chore to get through. This one, though, is like... I only saw this once, and this was a couple of years ago. I couldn't revisit it for this one because okay. I just... It, having to sit through this again would have been impossible for me mm-hmm. to get to the performance. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't do anything here. She doesn't have a moment, and... And this is weird. Okay, so especially this year. So I always say I can never give an Oscar for a scene. But then you have Beatrice Strait, who only has a scene. Mm-hmm. Or you have Jean Alexander, who literally pretty much has a scene and a half. I see where the nomination came in. And it's that scissor, the scene with the, she's cutting her, she's hair, cutting her hair off. And the scissors at the, at the very end of the movie. She's lost it by that She's point. lost it. I think it. her husband has killed himself. Yeah. Because they know they're going to die. They're, they're heading back to Nazi Germany. And her husband has just killed her himself. Yeah. He, he, like, threw himself overboard, and he's lost to the ocean, and she's having a a moment. So I see where that happens, but if I have to get through all of that movie to get to there, Mm. that's what I mean by this is, like, this is a hard, like, fuck this movie, like... Yeah. Especially thinking that Catherine Ross was... That's random to me. Yeah. So Catherine Ross got a Golden Globe win, I think. She won the Golden Globe. She's in, like, one and a half scenes. She doesn't... She's in Cuba. Yeah, she's in Cuba. So when they arrive, she's working at like a, a brothel, right? Yeah. And her parents are on board. And she's supposed to be retrieving them or something, but they can't get off the boat because their visas are invalid. Yep. And she tries to help get valid visas for a handful of passengers from some connections she has through the brothel. Mm-hmm. And somehow she got a Golden Globe nomination and win. And she really doesn't do that much. <laughs> and... So for it to switch to Catherine Ross to Lee Grant is random. I would, if I were to pick between Lee Grant and Catherine Ross, Lee Grant's doing more and she's in more of the movie, but it's this, I didn't really respond well to this movie and it has nothing to do with the subject matter. This is one of those movies that I, that I feel like was going for best picture like, they were making a movie. They were trying to design a movie to win Best Picture. And they tried too hard. And it fell apart and didn't really come together. Because so this is like a two and a half hour movie. Really touching subject matter. There's true a lot story. of big actors there, in it, too. This is a huge ensemble cast. Yeah. It's a true story. It's a big movie. Yeah. But it doesn't really come together. 
in a way that I think they were going for, which I think they were trying to create an Oscar movie. Yeah. Janet Tisman's in it. She's only in the beginning of it. Uh-huh. But if you ever want to follow up Nicholas and Alexander with something with her, she's in it. Mm-hmm. I wish she was in it more. Um, but I mean, I think I would be Lee Grant too over Catherine Ross because the only thing I can remember about this movie is the end mirror scene where she's cutting her hair and losing her shit. Yeah, with Faye Dunaway. Oh, she's in this. Yeah, Faye, Faye Dunaway is like technically the lead. She's like the most lead of the ensemble. That's right, I forgot she was in this. But um, yeah, she like comes in when Lee Grant's cutting her hair off and she like gives her some tough love basically and tries to get her to snap out of it. Yeah. And it's, it's an Oscar scene. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, she's not really doing much here. I can't give her a win, I guess, for the end, but I see her nomination there. Yeah, and she was a three-time nominee before this. And she had just won the and year before. And she had just won. And she had just won on, a, I, I gotta say, a fluke. Yeah. And the year before, so she, I don't think she stood a chance in Halloween. She was fresh in voters' minds. Yeah. So, this is a weird fucking lineup. This is a, this is a, a weird supporting lineup. I don't think we've ever reached so far a moment with doing this podcast where we're both kind of like quiet on almost everything on these lines. I, I have a feeling that's about to change. It's about to fucking change. It's about to, we're about to take a U-turn here. Here we go. Because <laughs> the fifth supporting actress from 1976 is Piper Laurie. They're all going to laugh at you. In Carrie. They're all going to laugh at you. This is her second of three nominations, previously nominated for yes. The Hustler in mm-hmm. 1961. Mm-hmm. And going into this, she received a Golden Globe nomination. Piper Laurie plays Margaret White, the uber-religious, domineering mother of Carrie White, played by Sissy Spacek, and she believes basically all forms of sexuality and bodily function are a sin, and she really puts her daughter through hell from start to finish. Before we get there, you've read the book Carrie, right? Yes. Okay, so Carrie was the very first Stephen King book that I ever read. Yes. In grade school, I read through all of Stephen King's original books, Every single one in order up until uh, 2002 with The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. Okay. So I've read every Stephen King book from Carrie to that point, And then, you know, currently I'm reading The Outsider. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of returning Stephen King in a way. Um, the book, when people say, like, the movie isn't as good as the book, this is the one of the few moments where the movie is better than the book. I like this movie better than the book, too. It's so good. Margaret White is painted on the page. Piper Laurie brings her to life. Mm-hmm. And she's so goddamn good at this movie. I have a feeling we're going to agree with here with our rankings on who's number one. But maybe, maybe actually, now that I'm thinking about who else is in here. But she's so good. Mm-hmm. She's fucking scary. People, they've remade Carrie a couple of times. Patricia Clarkson has played this role. Julianne Moore's played this role. No one will ever be Piper Laurie in this role. And the funniest thing is that Piper Laurie thought this was a comedy. Yeah. When she got the script, she thought it was a comedy. She didn't, she never took it seriously. She thought it was a black comedy. Yeah. She hammed it up. It's campy as hell. It's so good. And it's one of those, it's like Madeline Kahn in 74 where you never expected this, like her to get Blazing Saddles left field for the time for the Academy. For the Academy to uh, go for a horror film and not just one nomination, but two here for acting, it's so good. Mm-hmm. It's so good. I love Piper Laurie in this. Yeah. She's great. Um, she's kind of who I think of when I think of this movie. Like, I know Sissy Spacek is Oh, Carrie. I think of Piper Laurie. Yeah. I love Sissy Spacek, and we'll get to her, of course, later. Yeah. But Piper Laurie is, like, remarkable. We actually have an offer out to Piper Laurie to come onto the podcast. I'm hoping she does, because uh-huh. I will praise them fuck out of her 
I am so ready to talk to her. Loved her in this. Loved her on Twin Peaks. She's seen Twin Peaks. It's pretty good. I hear you have to really, really like dedicate yourself to Twin Peaks because there's the show, there was the movie, and then there was the revisit, and there were like some specials in between. So I I I need to. She's the faculty. She was in the faculty. Oh yeah, I love Mm -hmm. the faculty. Mm -hmm. That was actually my first. That actually was probably my first introduction to Piper Laurie. Was the faculty? It might have been mine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I missed the 90s. Anyway, Piper Laurie is fantastic. I, I have nothing to complain about this one. I have no complaints about Piper Laurie. Except for the fact that she got fucked over in the end. Yeah, a little bit. I would say. Yeah. yeah. Moving on? Yeah. All right. So, our nominees for 1976 lead actress are... Marie-Christine Barrault in Cousin Cousine. <laughs> Faye Dunaway in Network. Talia Shire in Rocky. Sissy Spacek in Carrie. Liv Ullman in Face to Face. All right, so starting off, we had a really random nominee here. We had a very random nominee from Marie-Christine Barreau, who are playing Martine in Cousin Cousine. Um, Martine is a woman who you get to know through a wedding when the movie starts off in Cousin Cousine. And she gets into a sexual relationship with her cousin because they're both in these loveless marriages. And you're kind of introduced to a few other members of the family, um, but it mainly focuses on this relationship. It's a weird movie. Yeah. It's, it's very French. It's very French. And here is a great example again of another random 70s nomination from the Academy because the movie itself, I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah, I thought the movie was kind of boring to the be movie honest. Was very, we watched this one together. Yeah, we did. I had seen this before. You had. It was my first time watching it. This was my first time watching it in a couple of years. And I'll be straight up honest with you. When I had seen this years ago... I was like, why didn't she win this? This should have been oh, her really? win. Like, this is Marie Christine Barreau is fantastic. I can't believe she never won the Oscar for this. Revisiting it, I think I got a little bit more out of it uh-huh. to put her in a ranking. I'm not gonna okay. say where. Sure. I'm not gonna say if I still agree with it, but I'm also not gonna deny that I don't think she should have won. Okay. So it's very odd. Now here's a theory that I have about this, and I brought this up to you. Yeah. Going into the precursors, I mean, Cousin Cousine had a couple of things going for it. Number one, it was nominated not only in Lead Actress, but it also got an, two other nominations. One for Best Writing for Jean-Charles uh, Tichella, and then uh, Best Foreign Language Film for France. But going into the acting categories, there was another actress in this by the name of Marie-France Pizier, and she, was, she played the role of Corinne. She won the César, which is the French Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress, she was also nominated uh, in the States for the National Society of Film Critics Awards for Best Supporting Actress. She was nominated for New York Film Critics Circle Awards. And so I have this theory that, to be honest with you, the Academy didn't know who they were voting for. You think they switched They switched it. Okay. Because Marie-Christine Barreau had nothing going into this while bringing, while Marine, or I'm sorry, uh, Marie-France Pizier had all of these nominations going into it. For, uh, in, the in the supporting categories. So did they switch? Mm-hmm. 
That's my question. It's possible. I honestly feel like they they have very did it by similar mistake. names. Yeah, they remade this film in nineteen eighty nine though. Oh, did they? Yeah, just called cousins. <laughs> just called cousins. Um, what 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 says you? So I thought this movie was really boring, to be honest, and she didn't really stand out for me in any way, and mm-hmm. she didn't really save the movie in any way for me. Um, I wasn't a big fan, really, of the movie, and or really of her, because for me, she wasn't really doing a whole lot mm-hmm. to make the movie a better experience for me. Yeah. I didn't really find her character that interesting, yeah. and she kind of just faded into the background for me. And you usually go for the French actresses, too, yeah. so you're like me on that. Yeah. But this one just wasn't working for me. I remember watching it with you, and I was just—you were so silent. I mean, you were silent. I mean, we watched movies together, but usually, we let out a laugh or something, and you were just deadpan throughout this I'm entire. Like, I was movie. just like watching this movie. I'm like, I don't think he likes this. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to add to that one? No. All right. Going on to the winner of this year was Faye Dunaway for <laughs> playing Diana Christensen in Network. Um, this was her third nomination and her most recent nomination. She had been nominated before yeah. for lead actress in both Bonnie and Clyde and in Chinatown. Going into uh, Academy at Night, uh, she won the Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Drama. She was nominated for the BAFTA for Best Actress. She was nominated, though, for the New York uh, Films Critic Circle. And uh, I can't read my own fucking writing here. Oh, for the Film Society for Best Actress. So mm-hmm. she only had the Globe going into this and then ended up winning the Oscar. Yes. I don't like this. Her nomination? Her win. Oh, okay. The nomination I see. Mm-hmm. But with who else is in this lineup, I don't like the win. Okay. Um, the, but Dunaway is known for three things. Mommy Dearest. Yeah. Bonnie and Clyde. And Network. Yeah. So those are pretty good things to be... I mean, now Mommy Dearest, but back then, no. Right, not at the time. And she still hates talking about Mommy Dearest, but... These are three things that are iconic to be known for. Mm-hmm. The win, was it sentimental? Was it, it's her time? Was it this, the start of the overdue factor in Hollywood? Yeah, and it was pretty clear that Network was a beloved movie. Network was a huge hit. Yeah. I mean, 1976 has probably the most iconic lineup of Best Picture nominees. Oh, yeah. It's known to be the best throughout the entire film yeah. world. So, was it... She won because she was in a hit movie? Or was it she was overdue? Or was it because she earned it? Could be a mix of all three. Yeah. Um, I think she's she's great in network. I, I know so many producers like her. Yeah. Like, I rewatched this movie recently for her and Beatrice Strait, and I was seeing so many people I've worked for yeah. in her, in, like, the TV world. And I was like, Faye Dunaway gets it. She knows who these people are. I, maybe it's a, to, to go out of my like professional life. I do, I do like her in this movie a lot. I think she's really good in it. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of came up to like a mental block. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, just kind of stammering right now, but, uh, I found her character really fascinating. Mm -hmm. She's villainous in a way. And I constantly wanted to like more layers to be peeled back, and you do get that slowly throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that you're not given her whole backstory at least right away. There's always more to learn about this character, mm-hmm. and I really dig that, especially coming from a villainous character. Sometimes villains can be a little two dimensional, mm-hmm. and you don't really get anything 
to know about Louise them. Louise Fletcher, which like, one of the Right. Yeah. But with, uh, I think her name, Diana Christensen, is that her name? Yep. Um, she's like a, she's a three-dimensional character. Like, yeah. she's a real person. Like mm-hmm. I said, I know her. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, Faye Dunaway is not what I think about when I think of Network. I think of I'm Mad as Hell. Yeah. I'm not going to take it yes. anymore. But I also think, and the scene is fucking hilarious. When they're at the pimp's house oh. and everyone's talking and you have like the black, or not the pimp, I'm sorry, the black panther. They're there at the black panther's house and in order, or maybe he's a pimp though. I don't recall. No, he said of the black panther. I'm sorry. Cause I'm still thinking of to Axie driver um, with the pimp when you mentioned the dancing scene, but oh. they're at the black panther and they want to do the the, the, the TV show on them. So you have the network people and then you have the black panther. And so the black panthers are black people while the network people are predominantly white here in the scene. Yeah, that's true. And you have them trying to cop a deal here and no one's listening to anybody and they're fighting all of a sudden the, the head guy just shoots off his gun. You see all the white people just like running around like, ah, and all the black people are just like, listen, yeah. I, I think it's hilarious. And, it, and it's a great racial study scene as she, well. Faye Dunaway is so devious in this movie because she's basically trying to exploit them. Yeah. She wants to turn the Black Panther movement into a reality TV show. Yeah. For ratings. Oh yeah. And it's not. She's, and she tries, she exploits so many people along the way, like the, the Peter Finch character. Mm-hmm. Like she's using people throughout the movie uh-huh. because she's creating TV. Yeah. I get it. She doesn't care if it's authentic or if it's not authentic, she's going to make it authentic. Yeah. Because that's the kind of person she is. Yeah. Well, anything else we want to add? Not yet. Not yet. Well, well, I'm sure when we get to rankings, we'll, we'll add some things. Oh, yeah. Uh, we always do. Uh, all right. Up next, we had Talia Shire for playing Adrian mm-hmm. in Rocky. This was Talia Shire's uh, second of two nominations and her most recent. Uh, she had been nominated two years earlier for supporting actress in The Godfather Part Two. Going into Oscar night, now this is a very mixed bag of precursors here. Mm-hmm. Nominated for the Golden Globe, lead actress. Then she was nominated. Excuse me. Um, she was nominated for Supporting Actress at the National Society of Film Critics, but then one Supporting Actress at the New York Critics Circle. Mm-hmm. This is a nomination that kind of gets a lot of shit. It gets shit on a lot. A couple reasons. Number one, is she lead or is she supporting? Yeah, that's a, that's that's a debate. And then number two, some people say, what is she doing in it? Mm-hmm. And I can see that. Yeah. Um, I think she's in the right category, personally. Yeah, I lean more toward lean. I can I see the argument for supporting, and I'm not miffed by the people that nominated her in supporting. Yeah. But personally, I think she's a little more lead than she is. Supporting. She is the peanut butter to Stallone, Stallone's jelly here. She mm-hmm. is the lead. Yeah. Uh, for the female, I don't get anything from Adrian here. I don't. She's very meek. She's mm-hmm. very recluse. In yeah. who she is as a character. I mean, if you, not that the sequels to Rocky were that great outside of like three and four. Mm-hmm. I mean, Creed is amazing, but that's a yeah. spinoff. Um, and she's not in that. No, they killed her off before part six. Yeah. Um, she doesn't really become a character though until the sequels. Yeah. What stands out for me here is kind of when Paulie is beating the shit out of her, or, or like the Thanksgiving dinner. Her. 
Yeah, like she's he's not, so mean to like, her. When she's crying and breaking down, that's she's great in that. But unfortunately, Talia Shire here just like suffered in both of her nominations of yeah. not having anything to do. Mm-hmm. I think part of what helped people to remember her is Sylvester Stallone at the end of the movie calling for her name. Yo, Adrian. Well, yep. when they all the people are trying to interview him, he just keeps shouting, Adrian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everyone wants to his... Because she's screaming Rocky. Yeah, because yeah. she's trying to get to the ring, and all the reporters have flooded the ring, and he's trapped, and he's trying to get to her, and she's trying to get to him, and he's just like, Adrian! Yeah. That's my Sylvester Stallone impression. Um, Dude, where's, yeah. my, where's my Oscar? Um, <laughs> he never got it either. Not for, not for this. No, he's never gotten an Oscar. Wasn't he nominated for Creed? Yeah. And he didn't oh, like I thought he meant nominated. Never mind. Oh, yeah. um, And he was nominated for this, for lead actor. Yeah, I, I thought you meant he'd never... I, I miss, yeah. You're good. Whatever. Moving um, on. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think that scene helped people to, frankly, remember her. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's, it's his movie. Yeah. She doesn't have that much to do besides being the love interest, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Like if, she, like she doesn't really have much to do when Rocky's not there. Yeah. Or if I guess Polly's giving her a hard time. Yeah. But. Yeah, she doesn't have much agency in the movie yeah. on her own. If one of those two men aren't around, she doesn't have much of a purpose. And that's really the fault of the script. That's yeah. not really Talia Shire. And that's what I mean. She falters. Uh, not, not falters, but she suffers from two nominations of having nothing to do mm-hmm. due to the script. Yeah. If there were ever a time to play the small violin for a nominee, for not one... But two, it's Talia Shire. Yeah. Yeah. So poor Talia Shire. Poor Talia. Sure, she has a lot of talent. Oh, she does. And she had, there were roles that she could have done, but she just unfortunately wasn't given them. Oh no, not at all. Um, moving on, we have Sissy Spacek mm-hmm. in Carrie as Carrie. Yes. Yes. Um, so for Sissy Spacek, this was actually the first of. Uh, six nominations. Um, she would be all leading actress nominations, by the way. Um, she would be nominated again and she would win for her second try at Oscar for Coal Miner's Daughter in 1980. Then she would follow that up with Missing in 1982, The River in 84, Crimes of the Heart in 86, and not return again until In the Bedroom in 2001, which is her most recent. Okay. Um, Carrie, or I'm sorry, Sissy going into Carrie, this had really no precursors outside of two randoms. She won the Best Actress for the National Society of Film Critics, and then she was nominated for Best Actress at, at the New York Film Critics Association. Or, I'm sorry, the New York, yeah, New York Film Critics Association. Mm-hmm. No Golden Globe, no BAFTA, no Oscar win either. Right. This is iconic. Mm-hmm. It is a horror film. Yeah, they seldom get in. They seldom get in. And you can talk to anybody... Out of film lover or not, if you give them this lineup, they're going to say Sissy should have won for Carrie. I mean, she's loved in this. Yeah. I would probably say, like, Network was huge, but I think of the movies in this lineup, Carrie is probably the most seen by everyday people. Yeah. Most people have seen Carrie. If they have not seen it, they know what it is. Yeah. I would say that. And then that would be on the one spectrum where Cousin Cuisine is where no one has seen. No one has seen. Um... I like this a lot, but it says something when you're upstaged by your supporting actress. 
Oh, okay. Piper Laurie to me is more iconic in Carrie than Sissy Spacek is as Carrie in Carrie. The character of Carrie is more iconic than Sissy Spacek in Carrie? Is that what you're saying? No, it, it, for the movie, Margaret White and Piper Laurie yeah. acting in it is is more iconic than Sissy Spacek as Carrie. Oh, okay. So, with that said, I think that Sissy Spacek played Carrie a little too safe until mm-hmm. we get to the prom scene. Okay. And there's this hilarious meme of um, Arrested Development. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, well, who's the mom? Lucille Bluth. Lucille Bluth. Where she where she's, has a cupcake in her hand and the character's just looking up and it, the meme says, when I watch Carrie, and the character says, or it's, it, the meme says, when I watch Carrie kill all the kids at prom, and the meme says, it's Lucille going... Good for her. <laughs> like that's but that's how you feel. Yeah. Because you feel for Carrie. Yeah. But she is kind of upstaged by Piper Laurie here. In a way, I think that's the nature of the character. Because mm-hmm. she needed the majority of the movie to snap. Yeah. Like if she had done it earlier, if it had been a big showy performance early on in the movie, the the rest of the movie wouldn't have made sense. And yeah. the climax would not be as impactful. So I think Piper Laurie definitely gets the showier performance, especially early on. Yeah. Because Carrie needed to grow. She needed to find her anger and mm-hmm. find her power and finally let it all go at the end yeah. and kill all those fuckers at prom. Yeah. For ruining her dress that she just made herself. Yeah. The nerve. The nerve. <laughs> you sounded like um, Grandmama and Carol Kane in uh, Adam's oh. Family Values. Uh-huh. Malibu Barbie. The nerve. <laughs> um, do you do you think it stands the test of time though, as people put it on that pedestal, or do you think it is just such a beloved film? Carrie. Yeah, I like it. I still watch it to mm-hmm. this day. I, I saw that movie pretty early. I think I saw it in like fourth grade. Like I think my mom wanted to watch it with me for some reason. Same. And so like, I saw that movie pretty early, and then I started reading like Stephen King's books like in middle school. Uh huh. And I've read maybe the majority of them, but yeah, I. I don't think it was a... I don't think it's a forgotten film in any way. No, not at all. Now, have you seen both remakes? Um, yeah. I, I saw the sequel, like, Carrie 2, The Rage. Oh, yeah. And then there was the one with... Uh, there was the, the made-for-TV one. With Angela Bettis yes. as Carrie. And then there was the Julianne Moore one with Chloe, Chloe Grace Moritz. Yeah, I've seen them. So, side, side game. If you were to rank... Not the sequel, because obviously the Carrie's not in the sequel. Right. If you were to rank the Carrie's... Oh, where would you put them? I mean, I'd probably go... I mean, I haven't seen the other two in a long time. But I'd probably go Sissy, Angela, Chloe. Chloe is the best? No, from best to worst. Oh, gotcha. That's probably what I'd do. But I haven't seen the other ones in a long time. I would rank this Carrie before the prom as Angela. Okay. Then Sissy, then Chloe. But if we're talking about post-prom, it would go Sissy... Grace, sorry, Sissy, Chloe, and then Angela. I think Angela before prom was what Carrie, what Sissy would have been amazing at. Okay. Like that really, like, like Sissy in this before the prom was just very like embarrassed of life Mm -hmm. to where Angela knew and accepted Carrie for being that outcast. I don't remember is, is, does that one take place in the seventies or does it take place in the time that it was made? Time that it was made. I wonder if that has something to do with it, though. You think? I don't know. I mean, it was a different time. That's true. 
Yeah, like, I mean, because if you look at the... Teenagers in the 70s and teenagers in, what, 2002 or whenever the yeah. movie came out were and, probably and, very and different. If you look at Carrie 2012 or 13, 2013 when it came out, I mean, there were cell phones, so... I mean, like, the time the Angela version came out, two years later you got Mean Girls. Mm-hmm. So these high school dynamics are very different. Yeah. And I think Sissy Spacek is playing into what someone in her situation in the 1970s probably would have gone through. Okay. I see what you're saying now. I never like, I, that's what I like about talking about this is because we give each other different ways to think about it. Yeah. So I never thought about like the time frame until just now. I but, think, doesn't the, the Julianne Moore and Chloe Grace Moritz one, that one doesn't take place in the 70s either. No, it? that's current because they have cell phones and shit. Right. Yeah. So I wonder how much the time period plays into it. Yeah. For sure. That's a great way to think about it now. Because back in the 70s, Carrie would have been much more isolated. Oh, yeah. In terms of the internet, television, media she just in general. Had, she always just had the book. Under the, And she was under the stairs. Mm-hmm. Isn't that like, that's where she, that's her room, right? Under the stairs? No. Or that's where she the puts, attic. when she's punished, she's thrown. Yeah, under the stairs. Yeah. Very Harry Potter before Harry Potter. Yeah. Right? So, so I think the time period really plays into it. Well, I mean, look, seriously, think about what we just did. We haven't even gotten to the fifth nomination yet. We've mm-hmm. just spent 10 minutes just talking about Carrie. Mm-hmm. So if anything, that is kind of a true test of time about how yeah. iconic this is. So, but moving on. Yes. Final nominee of this lineup, Leif Ullman, mm-hmm. uh, for playing Dr. Jenny Isaacson um, in Face to Face, Ingmar Bergman. Um, going into this, she had the Golden Globe nomination for Best Actress, BAFTA nomination for Best Actress, the National Board of Review win, National Society of Film Critics win and National or New York Film Critics Circle win all for Best Actress. So mm-hmm. she was kind of the critic's darling like into this debate. Yes. Um, I am going to say something here that we had talked about um, just a second ago, Carrie being a horror film that was nominated. Mm-hmm. I view Face to Face as a horror film. I think it is too. And for with that said, for the Academy to not nominate one, but two, but three performances in horror films that year mm. for both Carrie's or for both supporting and leave for carrying on this is fantastic face to face is a much more clandestine horror film than carrie mm-hmm. it's also got the igmar bergman factor right. going for it um because on the surface face to face isn't a horror movie but when you really break it down you're really into it especially when you have those sequences where leave allman is she's like in a coma like she tries to kill herself and she doesn't come out of it really right yeah. away and she's trapped in this like nightmare world the nightmare chick on the bed is yeah. fucking terrifying. Yeah, that night, that whole nightmare sequence is horrifying. Yeah. The black eyes, just the, mm-hmm. like, the silent, like, it's... I watched that movie during the day, and I was alone in my apartment, and I still looked around. Yeah. And I was, I mean, that is a testament of building horror and mm-hmm. suspense and tension. I like her in this. Mm-hmm. It's really terrifying to watch how she goes to from this like top doctor to insanity yeah and the rape scene is awful that was uncomfortable the the whole idea that she moves in with her parents and she's like in her childhood bed almost mm-hmm. and all this is still happening to her is yeah. like innocence being lost forever like yeah she's like regressing yeah it's good uh-huh I like it. This is a great nomination. I, I really like the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I found it straight up horrifying. Yeah. The whole movie itself and Lee Volman, I was like concerned for her well-being at the end where she's having like her breakdown and yeah. she's like telling basically the story of what happened to her a long time ago mm-hmm. and then all of the nightmare stuff really starts to come together. Yeah. And you get the sense of if she had remained in that nightmare world, if that had actually been 
hell how terrifying it would have been for her. No. Because there for a while, you're not sure if she's going to come out of it. You don't know if she's ever going to wake up again. And you don't know if this is literally hell where she is. Yeah. You're, you're questioning... You're questioning your own insanity watching it. Mm-hmm. You're trying to put it together. But then you're also questioning Jenny's insanity. And then you're questioning what the fuck is going on in this movie. And that is the true test of Bergman. Yeah. And what he can do to the human psyche watching a movie. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah, it's hard to talk about because there's so much going on. There's so many layers to this. There's like the real world and there's what's going on inside her head and there's how she perceives her memories and then there's her actual memories and how those, all those worlds blend together and collide yeah. into this truly remarkable journey yeah. that we're going on with Lee Bowman. And it's, it's kind of leaves you speechless. Like talking about it now, it, especially if you haven't seen it, mm-hmm. it's, it's weird to talk about. If you have seen it, you still can't put it together. It's almost like, I don't ever want to compare films like this, but it's almost like the Mulholland Drive of mm. the 70s. Okay. Am I making sense by saying I see that, the connection. Yeah. The sort of Naomi Watts descent into yes. madness, nightmare. Yes. You're just like, Literally living a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this one. This might be in like my top five Bergman yeah. movie. Um... And you, in general, though, because we've talked about, you love Lee Bowman. Yeah, Lee Bowman's like one of my favorite. Can she actresses. do no wrong for you? Do you think? Have you ever seen a performance where you're like, "Hey, tone it down, girl"? I've 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 not seen every movie she's done, but I don't think I've ever come out of a movie thinking, "Wow, Lee really did not bring it today." Okay. She brings it every day. Nice. At least when I'm watching them. Every day. Every day, Lee Bowman's bringing it. Every day she's bringing it. <laughs> Fucking Cordy. Are you ready? Yeah. My favorite part. Uh-huh. The rankings. Yes. So, um, you started with supporting, so why yes. don't you start with that one? Okay. My number five supporting actress is going to be Jane Alexander for All the President's Men. Okay. I was um, not expecting that one. To be oh, honest. really? Yep. Okay. Um, I don't, I'm not a big fan of this movie, mm-hmm. and I don't think she's given that much to do, even though I think her scenes are the most interesting. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really wowed by her. Yeah. So that's why she's my number five. Okay. Well, my number five is Piper Laurie. Okay. No, I'm totally fucking with you. I had a feeling you were joking. <laughs> I'm totally fucking with you. Uh, my number five is Lee Grant. Okay. Um, yeah, the movie is very hard for me to get through. And I don't want to have to get through that movie to get to the best scene in that movie, which is her breaking down mm-hmm. in front of the mirror. I also usually don't give Oscar wins to someone who can only do one scene. And that's all I feel like that she's doing here. Mm. So with that said, Lee Grant is my number five. She's my number four. Okay. Lee Grant. Um, the reason she edges out Jane Alexander for me is because she does have that scene. She's actually got something to do. And when the movie was over, that was something that I thought about. Yeah. When All the President's Men ended, I was just like, well, Jane Alexander... Did her job. Which that took me by surprise because you had said like the best part of that movie is Jane Alexander. So I, I didn't expect her to be so low. Even though she is the best part of it, I'm still not that big a fan of the movie. No. Or really her... I mean, her performance is fine and she is the best part of it for me, but the movie itself is just fine for me. No. So... Well, I see your Lee Grant at four, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you Jane Alexander at four. Okay, so we're switching four we're and five. We're just switching four and five here. Um... 
again, she's just kind of the best thing about the movie for a very tedious movie to get through, um, which obviously seems to be a theme here with Lee's film and with mm -hmm. Jane's film for both of us. Um, but I don't know. She has this innocence about her in it, and I can appreciate her character being scared for the time frame and what sure. was going on. The stakes were real high. The stakes, yeah. So, I mean, I'll give it to her. She's not dead last, but she's not winning for me. Sure. So. Okay. Yeah. My number three is going to Jodie Foster for Taxi Driver. Okay. Um, Jodie Foster is clearly a great actress. She, in this movie, is definitely a precursor for all the great things she would do. She's definitely yeah. got it in her. Like, when you see Taxi Driver in 2019, knowing what she would go on to do, you see it. Yeah. You know there's a spark in her. Yeah. But she's not sparking yet yeah. in this movie. And even though I don't dislike this performance or the nomination, it's just, it's not a winning performance for me. So she's my number three. Well, I'm going to agree with you with number three. Um, you said everything that I could have said about it. It's, it's, it's like planting the seed, but the seed hasn't sprouted yet. Mm -hmm. So the seed is the nomination, and the nomination yeah. is the win. Love that she was nominated here. But, but there's nothing I can give her yet to be mm -hmm. like, yep, there it is. It comes out years later. Yes. So... All right, so we have the same. We have the same top, top two. two. So Beatrice Street and then Piper Laurie. Yes. Yeah. So do you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. So um, my number two is going to be Beatrice Strait for Network, okay. making Piper Laurie my number one. Mm -hmm. So Beatrice Strait, even though she's only in one scene, and that's well, one scene plus that other one that she doesn't really do much in, it's what she's known for. Yeah. It's like when you think of Network, that's one of the things you think about. Yep. Like of course, there's like the iconic "I'm mad as hell, I'm not going to take it anymore," and there's other stuff that's great about Network. But yep. when, but if you were to ask someone. Three things about Network, just name them. One of them's going to be Beatrice Strait. Oh, yeah. Partially because she gets this win. Yeah. But um, she gives you everything in that scene. Like, she runs the gamut of emotions and motivations and yeah. everything. And she puts William Holden in his place and tells him to get the fuck out. <laughs> and I was on her team from start to finish. Yeah. So she's my number two here. Piper Laurie, though, is just amazing in Carrie. Yeah. She's the thing you think about when you think of Carrie, aside from maybe like blood falling on Sissy Space like at prom. But she's giving like per the performance from hell. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Um we have the same exact lineup oh. for supporting actress. Which well, means... We switched four and five though. Oh fuck, that's right. Boo. Same top three. We have the same top three. But we have the same two and one. Okay. So I also would give Beatrice Strait um the second spot, giving Piper Lurie the first. Which is funny because I just switched that okay. as we were doing it. Because I had Beatrice at three, Jodie Foster at two. But it was like after talking about it, I'm like, no. I did I for a while too. Yeah. Um, Beatrice, and I've said it, I just said it. I usually don't give, in regarding to Lee Grant, I don't give an Oscar for one scene. But not giving it to Beatrice straight, but she does have a better scene to do. You know, like usually we with these supporting actresses, yeah. we always say, we just need one more scene or we need a little more background. I don't feel like I need it from this character. I, I would need it from the character now. I don't need it from the character then. Okay. Remake the movie now, make that scene bigger. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's more, especially in this day and age, if you were to update it to present time, where, because this was a wife who stayed at home. Yeah. This was a wife who made a home, she was a housewife. Mm -hmm. That type of housewife doesn't exist today. That's why I mean, give me more. Oh, that's true. So... But yeah, perfect for them. Piper Laurie, though, fan-fucking-tastic. I've got nothing bad to say about it. Uh, you, you do think of Piper Laurie, I feel, when you say Carrie more than you do Sissy Spacek. And that's what I mean by she overshadows Sissy Spacek. Hmm. And in a good way. 
Yeah, it's a bigger, showier performance for the bulk of the movie. Yeah. And that's part of the nature of the characters. Yeah. So, Piper Laurie, mm-hmm. you get the Oscar. Mm-hmm. Okay, lead actress. Yes. So, my number five is Marie Christine Burrow. Okay. Which is funny because I had mentioned when we talked about her that for years I was like, she should have won. She should have fucking won. Mm-hmm. Revisiting that, I was like, what the fuck was I thinking? Mm-hmm. This is not a good nomination. It's not... I really do think that she got it by mistake. That was just to be um, the other uh, Marie in the film. In supporting. In supporting. I think it was an oopsie by the Academy, but Marie Christian Barreau, you forever will be an Oscar winning or Oscar nominated actress, so good for you. Yeah. That's it. That's it for me on that one. She's also my number five. Hey! Because, um... I thought that movie was boring as hell and she didn't do anything to save it. Yeah. And I can't reward a performance that doesn't stand out. Yeah. So she's my number five. Well, with that said, Faye Dunaway is my number four. Okay. I... Diana Christensen as a character is great. Mm Mm-hmm. But does she have any redeeming qualities? Does she need them for you? I don't know, and that's the thing, that's why I think I'm putting Faye so low on here, is because I don't, I'm just so meh on this role all around, because I don't know if I like it, I don't know if I hate it, and I don't know if Faye brings what I need for it. Mm-hmm. She's great in Bonnie and Clyde, I I wasn't a huge fan of her in Chinatown, and I think mm-hmm. in other roles, like Mommy Dear, she's great, Mommy Dear is, but like, this is her winning Oscar role, I don't get it. Okay. I, I just I need I need more dimension. I need I need to know why why Diana is so ruthless. Mm-hmm. She doesn't do it for me. Okay. Um, well, my number four is going to Talia Shire okay. for Rocky, because she really doesn't do it for me in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not her movie. No. She's kind of along for the ride. Yeah. And she really doesn't have that much agency in the story. Yeah. Um, really without Rocky or without, uh, Pauly? That's his name. Her Paul. brother? Yeah. Yeah. Or young. Yeah. So she doesn't really have all that much to do outside of those scenes. If she's not getting berated yeah. by Pauly or if she's not running to Rocky, mm-hmm. she's just kind of there. Yeah. And like, I know Talia Shire is a great actress. She's shown us that. Mm-hmm. This role is just not doing her any favors. And that's what I meant when she falters from being a nominee twice by the rating. By yeah. like having... Roles that aren't worth her talent. Mm-hmm. That is the best way to put it. Yeah, she deserved better. But I put her at three, actually. Okay. Because when she has her moments of um, great material to work with, even mm-hmm. though it's small and rocky, it's that berating where she locks herself in the, you know, and the, 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 tur- the turkey dinner is fucked up. Yeah. And she goes from the scared woman to feeling so secure ice skating with rocky it's like Mm -hmm. it's there it needs more fleshing for her as an actress and her as a character i think you were right when you said as the sequels went on you saw a little bit more of adrian but this first one's not doing that for her yeah i mean but that's why i don't have her lower than three though is Mm -hmm. because what she does give us in those moments she's really good yeah if, if, if Adrian could have been fleshed out more to be her own person and actually have something to do, she could have won this easily for me. Hmm. She just doesn't have anything to do here. Yeah. So that's why I put her at two. Or I'm sorry, at three. three. At three. Okay. 
Well, Faye Dunaway is my number three. We switched again. Yeah, we switched three and four. Yeah. Um, for me, she has more to do, and I find her character more interesting. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, I was like, I'm just like struggling to put it together because I was getting like flashbacks to other people, the people I've worked for. Mm-hmm. I know this character. These people exist yeah. in the entertainment industry. People who don't care about other people kind of use them. Both they use their subjects and they use the people that work for them. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right. She doesn't really have any redeeming qualities. And I'm remembering now that William Holden says that at the end. Like, he says that when he tells her off. He's like, you are television incarnate. Yeah. I think that's his line. Yeah. And that's exactly what she is. And I remember re-watching this movie for her, thinking, yeah, I know so many people who are that. Yeah. So, this is, like like the last week, this is a, t- a tough top three. So, there's different years where she could have come out on top for me. Because yeah. I find this character so fascinating. So manipulative i think i said that right manipulative Manipulative. and layered but this top three is really tough so she's gonna be my three this this week so who does that leave you for two and one um sissy spacek and leave allman i think that's who you have to the same um okay so marie christine for me is five Faye is four talia is three Number two, I'm giving it to Sissy, which means I'm rewarding Liv Ullman here for her brilliant, brilliant fucking work in face-to-face. Um, Sissy doesn't get it for me for the fact of, I don't, and I mentioned this, pre-prom, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Post-prom, fantastic. But again, she's suffering from the fact that Piper Laurie outshines her. Mm. Piper Laurie's got the better role, it's juicier, she's way more believable to me than to see is at first live though fucking fantastic you had one of my favorite tweets i'd seen in a while where someone was doing a podcast and it was they were talking about 1976 and you had mentioned like yeah you know d- did you think lee volman was actually what was it like i was like we're um were you also concerned for Lee Allman's actual life while watching Face to Face? And that's a thing that you do when you're watching this movie, and she's so good. Yeah. And the fact that Lee Allman only has two Oscar nominations to her name and not a singular fucking win is a travesty. Yeah, we're so, going to get to that in a couple of years. Yeah, I know. Um, I know we're going to get to that. So, um, did you want me to do my one yep, and two? Okay, I give it to so... We have the same one and two. My, I'm giving my two to Sissy, and Leave's getting my number one. I knew she was getting your one. Yeah. Um, Sissy Spacek, I love her in Carrie. She has kind of a slow burn to her. Mm-hmm. She grows throughout this movie, and she definitely does get overshadowed in the beginning by Margaret White, mm-hmm. because that's the nature of those two characters. Carrie needs the momentum to finally snap at prom. Mm-hmm. But as she's on that journey... My heart's going out to her. Like that shower scene with the tampons, which I don't even think we mentioned before. Oh, the plug yeah. it up scene. Plug it up, plug it yeah, up. Yeah, and the whole, like, they're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to laugh at you. Dragging her into the, the stair closet yeah. thing. My heart goes out to her, yeah. and it's hard for me to not recognize that. And she's the hero of that movie. Like, when she does snap at prom and kill everyone, I'm on her side. <laughs> I know there's some people who try to say that she's the villain, um, oh, no, no, she is not. Chris is that fucking villain in that um, movie. Yeah. Yes. Chris Harvinson. Mm-hmm. So, love, love Carrie, love Sissy in it. Great first nomination yeah. for Sissy SpaceX career. Yeah. But Leave Ullman gets my win because that bitch took me on a journey. <laughs> I was, I thought she was going to die. I thought I was going to die. 
I took a picture. There's a picture on Instagram that I was watching this movie late one night in my apartment. My dog is on my lap. And you can like see his eyes like bugging while face to face is on the screen. It's hilarious. I love the pictures that you have of Zivago. Zivago. Right? Zivago, yeah. Zivago. Like Dr. Zivago. That would make sense. Yeah. Um, because it's... Your dog is you in dog form. Oh, oh really? And when I when you put like a narrative to these photos, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, that's yeah. So he was he was con- he was concerned for Lee Volman just as I was, um, but she she like runs the entire damn gamut of human emotions and reliving trauma. Like, girl, she went through it, and she oh. is that movie. Like she's. I'm struggling to think of a scene that she's not in. I think she's in every every scene. If she's not in a scene, it's a very small scene. Yeah. But she is great from start to finish. Yeah. And she gets my number one spot for the year. Do you think she actually stood a chance going into this Oscar, like, 19, going into Oscar night 1977 for this year? Do you think Lee Wallman actually had a chance in hell? Um, she was the critic's darling. She was the critic's darling of the year, but... But precursors, too, remember, weren't as... Right. Prominent back then. Right. Now. And Network was a much more beloved movie. And widely. And, and widely seen. Movie. Yeah. I don't know if there was... I don't know if there's a foreign film bias among the, amongst the voting, the voting body. I mean, clearly, foreign films have won. Yeah. And actors from foreign films have won. But I wonder if people are less inclined to see them. And Network was a huge hit. People love Network. You got, what, three wins in acting. Yeah. So I think if Network hadn't been, like, the juggernaut success that it was, maybe. Yeah. But considering how how Network took everything along with it, I don't know if she really did stand much of a chance in the grand scheme of things. It's weird, too, because maybe even the sentimental fact of you know, we had talked about it with Ellen Burstyn in 1974. You know, she had caused this big uproar for um, boycotting mm-hmm. the lead actress uh, category. And a big part of that was Lee Volman because oh. Scenes of a Marriage, mm. while came out in, um, as a movie form in, what was it, Norway or Sweden? Something like that. Came out in TV form. Yeah. In the United States, and the whole like academy at a certain point was like, or the, not the whole academy, but the uh, actors were like, "Listen, put Lee Volman into this category," and they're like, "No, by rules, they it couldn't. was TV. It was TV." So, I wonder if that boycott almost worked against her. You think coming the, into this you think one. the you think Ellen Burstyn's boycott trickled. Into to Lee, leave Allman. Yeah, into hurting her chances in this one. That's a possibility. I mean, yeah, I think it's that. It, it was still such. It was two years later. It was still such a yeah. fresh boycott. I think it's that, and it's network's runaway success, and yeah. there's the fact that face to face, it's a foreign film. Yeah. Like we mentioned it in 1974 with Valentina Cortez. Foreign foreign actors, especially back then, were not as widely recognized. Sophia Loren at that point again. Right? Sophia Loren, but. But who she was else? the only one who had won for a form. For the longest for, time. Yeah. And it wasn't until, Jesus, when was it until? Roberto Benigni? That's the next one I'm thinking of. For Life is Beautiful. For, for a win. For a win. Yeah. Because I'm And then Marianne Cotillard. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, foreign films don't... I mean, mm, Benicio Del Toro. 
he he mostly speaks Spanish, Spanish, but it's an American film. It's tricky. But yeah, bottom line, foreign actors are not as widely recognized. Can we talk about that for a second, just because we were talking about leaving it is actually relevant to this. Okay. Is films from England not considered foreign film? I think it's foreign language. I think the, the category title is officially Best Foreign Language Then film. why wouldn't Benicio not be considered foreign if he's in Spanish for that role? The, the acting nominees aren't separated. Good point. Good point. I don't know. That was, that was on my mind earlier, and I thought this would be a good time because we're talking about it. Yeah. So. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it happens, but it's not why, but I think that definitely didn't help leave going into this. Yeah, I think when voters go to watch their movies, they're going to watch something they don't have to read. I like a good foreign film, though. I do, too. I do. I do. Um, do you have anything else for 1976? I don't think so. Man, that was... Uh, this is our shortest episode we've had so far. Well, to be... Well, the supporting actresses didn't give us that much to talk they about. They really didn't. Besides um, Piper. Yeah. Once we got to Piper, we were like... Rah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this was... A, this was 1976 was a very interesting year. Um, there were a lot of duds. It was a great year for films... Yeah. Not a stellar year for supporting actresses. No, not at all. And with that said, I'm Joey Gentile. I'm Brandon Stanwick. And we are Academy Queens, your LGBT look into the Academy Awards per decade, per, per category. This has been season one with... Uh, fuck, help me on this one, I just blanked. We're, we're at our, our mid-season oh. point for season one, where we're talking about the ladies of the 1970s. We've watched so many. I just blanked so hard. Thank you for We've watched so many movies. It's been insane. And you know what else I totally forgot to say? What? Karen Black. <laughs>